Well, good morning. So great to have all of you here with us in person for uh, the first week of winter. Sorry. For the second week of reset. Proud of you for getting up this morning, enduring the cold, and coming in uh, and worshiping with us today. Uh, I pray that you're blessed in week one, God's priorities for us, goals for our souls. Pray that you are inspired in week number two uh, in purpose. Uh, and to help you think about this today, uh, how many of you have ever taken the Strengths Finder test? Anyone heard of that personality test, Strength Finders? Yeah, several hands of people here. Uh, we've used it as a staff here at 92 Ministries. Maybe your work has used it before. Many people have taken this test. There are 34 different traits as a part of Strengths Finders that helps identify your personality. Uh, it doesn't define what you do, but maybe more how you do what you do. Like, what are your strengths? Uh, if you work in your strengths, you're energized. If you're not working in your strengths, it takes a whole lot of uh, energy and uh, you can still accomplish it. But your top five or your top 10 really help you understand yourself better, help you understand other people better. Uh, it helps you know what kind of person you are, maybe with interacting with other people. Are you a woo person who likes to talk to anybody and everybody, uh, but not go deep? Or are you a relator who likes to have one-on-ones and go deeper with individuals? Are you a connector? Like, do you like to get other people connected? Are you an includer who likes to get everyone involved and included? Are you an input person who has lots of ideas and you like to spit them out? Are you an achiever who likes to get stuff done? Like, everyone has different strengths, and they're all good. But one of the, the least common strengths, in fact, the least common strength from what I've seen and read is one called significance. I didn't know it was the least until I looked at my son's top five and number one or two, I forget which one, was significance. Attached to it was competition. So if any of you know my son, competition and significance are a pretty powerful combination. If you've ever played basketball with him and he gets mad and starts throwing things, that helps explain the competition part. Uh, significance is really this desire, this strength uh, that that what you do and, and, and what you're doing, you want it to make a difference. And knowing that about him, it's helped me understand him better. Like why he's chosen the career path that he's on. Why he behaved a certain way when it came to certain classes in school. Like for people with significance, they want what they do to, to make a difference. Uh, to have an impact. If it if they don't believe it does, they're not going to get involved. If they see people not doing it, they're going to try and push them to achieve it. But if they don't get on board, they're going to get off the train. Like they, they want to be a part of something that is significant, that makes a difference. And while some people are hardwired that way, it, it's one of their strengths that they're energized in, in, in making a difference. I think every person uh, has that desire inside of them in, in some way, shape, or fashion. Like for most people, when they pick a career path, they, they look at it, they view it, and they want to make a difference. They want to consider the significance, uh, the way it might bless people. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor or someone uh, who, who serves in the military or on the police force or fire department. It, if you're good with numbers and you can bless people with numbers, you, you, you see the significance. If your insight and skills are to help with building things or creating things and, uh, and, and making things that bless people, like you see the significance. Like I think in... In life, all of us have this inside of us. It drives parents a lot of times. We want to make a difference in the lives of our kids, significance. I think we look at relationships. We, we want to see how we can bless other people's significance. I, I think it's evident in the world in which we live, perhaps now more than ever, why so many people in, in our world today want to make a difference, have a purpose, sign up for some cause or another, right? Right? Like maybe there's a specific foundation 
that, that's cause is to make a difference in a certain area to, to bless people. Maybe the significance comes from the loss of someone that, that you know or your desire to cure a disease. Maybe significance in your cause and purpose is to, to help people who don't have. So like you volunteer in a shelter, you, you give time or money and energy to, to help people who are in need. Like there's all sorts of different ways and different things in areas of our life where, where significance plays out, right? And those can all be good things. Everything I just described it can be good. Like work, family, relationships, causes to, to, to find significance, to see and find your purpose. Uh, this side of heaven is a good thing. But I also know that there are many people in our world, in the world in which we live, the culture of today, that are getting distracted because of the reality that there's an insignificance in our future for most people in our world. Like there's this insignificance because the future for many people is uncertain. Like a lot of people don't know about the future. They don't know about heaven. They might not know about God. And, and so you know where they put their significance in things of this world. Like because of that uncertain future, the cultural insignificance drives people to, to love and romance in today's world like never before. Like, you know how many people are, are pursuing and consumed by relationships and, and sex and, and, and romance in our world today? Because they believe in finding it, they will find their significance, their purpose. Or how about work and, and money and, and power and position? Like, how many people are driven by that? Uncertain futures will cause people to, to consider the only significance that matters is right here, right now. So do anything and everything to get everything and anything so that you can be significant. And I think that's why this is such a great week for us as Christians. If you're new here and maybe Christianity is new to you, what we're going to talk about today, I pray, inspires you. But for you who've been a Christian for a while, maybe all your life, we might need a really good reset in our area of purpose because while the culture around us drives us down those different paths to find our significance, we might be influenced by it. We might get distracted by them, even the good ones, and forget about the most important purpose and greatest cause that God has given to us and the significance of it. Which is why today's section of scripture on the Great Commission is so important. And most of all, like last week, I pray that you got to see God's great commandment and the priorities that he wants us to set. Uh, and, and what it begins with is the love of God for us that drives us to love God. Today, I simply pray that you're overwhelmed by that love of God once again and inspired to see this purpose and the significance of it. And the great blessing that you and I get to be because God has given us this purpose, this cause, and how it's so significant for others. How much it will make a difference. Not just now, but eternally. And to understand it and to really think about it today, before we get into it, I have a question. I want you to write it down, either on paper or in your mind. Who do you know? Like, who do you know that, that doesn't go? Or that doesn't know? Like, who is it that you know that doesn't know about Jesus? Like, a lot of times people who live in our area think of this as one of the most churched and religious 
communities and areas. Wisconsin is a very religious area. Uh, the Fox Valley area is very religious. Did you know that on a, a broader American scale, when you compare us to the coast, like the West Coast and the East Coast, the area of Green Bay is identified as one of the most de-churched, unchurched areas in our country. Like it's in the top 20. Like there are lots of people who don't know and a lot of people who don't go. Like they may have known back in the day, they may have been baptized at one point, but their connection with God is, is hanging by a thread or perhaps even gone. Like who is it that you know that doesn't know Jesus or maybe at one time did know but doesn't go? Like who is it? Like, who is it in your neighborhood, the people that surround you, you know that they don't know and, or maybe don't go and you're not sure if they know anymore? Like, the odds would tell us that 30% know and go. <laughs> so there's a lot who don't. How about in your cubicle, in your office, in the circle that you, you are with on a daily basis? Who is it that you know that doesn't know or go? Or how about in your family? Maybe it's one of your godchildren. Maybe it's one of your siblings. Maybe it's one of your grandkids. Maybe it's one of your kids. Like, who is it that you know that doesn't go? I want this to be real. It needs to be real. Like, for someone who's grown up knowing his whole life, who everyone in their family, for the most part, has known, it's gotten more real over the course of my last several years because there are people who... Who I know that don't go or know. And that matters because it isn't that there is an uncertain future if we believe in Jesus and what the Bible tells us about eternity. So don't set aside your causes that are important to you this side of heaven. Don't minimize the significance of the roles that you carry at home or at work. But maybe we need to reset to see from God's goals for our souls that there is a higher calling, a vital purpose of great significance that's found in Jesus' perhaps final words that he spoke while he was literally walking on the face of planet Earth. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And this is post-Easter. Matthew's gospel is the longest gospel. It contains most of the words uh, and, and teachings and account of Jesus' life more than any of the other gospels uh, do. Uh, and yet it ends very abruptly. Jesus rose. There's this uh, event that transpires. The, the guards who were guarding the tomb make up a lie to try and cover up the facts. Uh, and, and it's recorded for us that, that this transpired and happened. Uh, and then from Easter and those events, we go right to this. Jesus told them to go to this mountain. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I know a lot of you are going to go, how could some of them still doubt? They're human. They're sinful. Like these are individuals who, who saw Jesus and, and yet their hearts uh, still wrestled with and struggled with things like hearts still today wrestle with and struggle with things. They worshiped and still weren't sure, had some doubts. So uh, in that moment, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, as I keep that up there on the screen for you, there are three things in those words that I want to highlight at this point before we focus in on the narrow uh, and, and key words of our purpose. First of all, there's a statement of fact by Jesus. They worshiped and they doubted. Jesus wanted to make sure very clear that they understood. Uh, uh, and so he gave them a statement of fact. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
I'm the one who resided in heaven. I came down to earth. I conquered sin, death, and the grave. And I will one, I'm going to soon, shortly, many people leave right after this, return back to heaven where all authority will be given to me once again. I have the ability to make this command. I'm the Lord. I am God. That, that statement of fact is important because we have to remember who this is coming from, which gives it significance and, and lays out the purpose. This is God speaking, Jesus himself speaking. So there's a statement of fact, and then there's a call to action. Go and make disciples of all nations. Here's how you do that. So here's the what of the purpose. Here's the how of the purpose. We're not going to talk much about that. Baptizing and teaching, using the means of grace, the things I have given to you, the tools that are at your arsenal, so to speak, to accomplish and carry out your purpose. And then the promise, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, Christians oftentimes love that verse. We hold on to it in tough times, in times of loss, when we're facing death. Like this side of heaven, as we're journeying through life, Jesus' words, I'm with you always, are very comforting. And, and they apply to every facet of our life. But in the context, it's very narrow what Jesus is saying. As you go and as you make, while I'm not going to be here, I will be here. And he knew that was needed for these worriers, <laughs> these doubters, these guys who had proven that at times they were filled with fear and not so full of faith. And with that context in mind, I want to narrow in on the commission, the mission, the purpose. Verse A of Matthew 19, or Matthew 28, verse 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus had spent three years with his disciples, walking and talking, teaching and modeling. But Jesus came down from heaven, spent 33 years on earth with a very specific, narrow purpose. His purpose was to seek and to save the lost. His purpose was to do what you and I couldn't do, to to live a perfect life, to pay the price on the cross uh, that we could not pay, and to rise victorious over the grave. Jesus' purpose was to, to rescue you and me and all from sin, period. And he had done that. He had accomplished that. And was going to return back to heaven where God had more responsibilities and other things for him to do. Rule over all things for the good of his church. Intercede for you and, and, and for me and for all believers on our behalf with God the Father. Like, he's still working. He's still active. But his purpose in coming had been accomplished. But there was still a purpose for those disciples. And while he had sent them at different times before this, he also knew that over the course of these last 40 days, there were times when they were paralyzed by fear, locked behind closed doors, and were maybe scared to take action. And so he says, I have all authority. I'm the Lord of heaven and earth. Therefore, as a result, because of this, go. I heard a pastor once make that into an acronym, G-O. Get off your butt. All one word. Put them together. You have to move. Like this small little nice community of a handful of people is not the only people I came for. Like it would have been nice for the disciples. They sit behind closed doors and tell their greatest hit stories of Jesus' earthly ministry over and over and over again. Like, hey, you weren't there for that one. Hey, I was Peter. I was there on that mountain. Like, yeah, let's inspire each other. This is great. Rah, rah, rah. No. No. 
It's not just for you. I didn't die just for you. Like Jesus had accomplished his purpose, but, but God's goal for the souls of all people was to, to have them rescued. And Jesus understood this while his purpose was done. They needed to carry this out as their purpose. And there was great significance to it. The Apostle Paul, who was one of the greatest missionaries of all time, understood it. Like, why did God give us this mission? Because God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. God wants all people to be saved. God's goal for the souls of all people is to end up in eternity with him in heaven. And so he entrusted his disciples, ones who still had doubts and, and some who were very fearful at times, the most important mission the world has ever seen outside of Jesus' mission to rescue and save the lost to share so that the lost might be saved. You see, the Apostle Paul understood the importance of going. Remember the words we read before? Like, God wants all people to be saved. Jesus gives the command, here's your mission, go and make disciples of all nations. This purpose has significance. This purpose and cause is life-changing, not just now but for eternity because people can't call on the name of Jesus if they haven't, don't have faith in Jesus. And they can't have faith in Jesus if they have not heard about Jesus. And they can't hear about Jesus without someone telling them about Jesus. And if someone's not sent, they can't tell. So God sent his disciples. The church for 2,000 years has sent people to tell. You and I are, are witnesses, unless you are not a Christian at this point in your life, which is great. I'd love to talk to you. But if you are a Christian, if you are a believer in Jesus... The mission Jesus gave to his disciples still applies to you and to me today. If it didn't, then when John died in 90 AD, people would have stopped going and stopped telling, and you and I would be doomed. But you and I have been blessed because someone knew that we didn't know, and so they, they told. For some of you, it was your parent. Others, for others of you, it was a friend. For some of you, it was later in life, and, and you encountered maybe a podcast or something online, a, a video that, that caused you to, to have a question, and, and you went and, and you heard, and, and a pastor shared. Like, all those things have to happen. The, the apostles understood what Jesus was saying. Like, in order for them to know, someone needs to go. And here's the thing, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? Like, I know some of you have very beautiful feet. You're very proud of them. I don't. I don't think they're ugly and I don't have any warts on them, but they're not very beautiful. But it's not the literal feet that Paul's talking about. It's the feet of people who put one in front of the other, who, who in the places that they go, the, the, the places that they walk, the, the places that they're doing life uh, and they're going, they are sharing. They, they are are living examples, light of the world of Jesus. Like God has called you and me to go. So I want you to go back to that list that you mentally produced, that grandchild, that sibling, that coworker, that neighbor. And they go in the first blank for them to know, for blank to know, you need to go. You need to go. And I know this is hard. And I know sometimes we, we convince ourselves that Romans 10 and, and the Great Commission apply to pastors, but not all Christians. No. Because here's the thing. 
you know people that I don't know. You go places that I don't go. And I think there's got to be something to the fact, and this is just my opinion, but I believe there's truth to it, that the most amazing preacher who ever walked on the face of planet Earth, that the Bible says the people were amazed at his words, was only able to gather enough people to fill a small room after the most amazing thing happened, his resurrection. Like Jesus lived on earth for three years, and by the end of his ministry, the circle was small. It's like the, the chef or owner of a restaurant. Like if they come to you and say, you got to come and check out my restaurant. It is the greatest food ever. Like, yeah, no kidding you think it's the greatest food ever. Just like my pastor, Pastor Tim, thinks he's the greatest preacher ever. Like someone who owns the restaurant, makes the food, thinks the food is good. But if someone comes to me and says, you got to check out this restaurant. Like it is amazing food, things I've never sampled before. It's like one of the greatest places in our city. Like coming from somebody else who who isn't invested in it, who doesn't have money in it, who isn't the main character in it, you buy it. It's like someone who invents something if they say they've created the greatest thing ever. But when someone you know tells you, you have to use this because it'll change your life. And that's what happened on Pentecost. Ten days later, after Jesus ascended, those disciples left the room, powered by the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people came to faith. Like, the 30 to 50 people who were maybe gathering exploded in one day. The church kept growing and growing and growing because they went and kept going. And so I know we live in a world where it's hard to be a Christian. I know we live in a world where Christians can get canceled. I know we live in a world where you can lose friends if you speak about your faith. I know we live in a world where it's hard to be a follower of Jesus. But it was just as hard for the disciples. Like these people knew the authorities of that day did not want them and that message to continue. Like they were willing to do anything and everything to eradicate Jesus, and they were willing to do anything and everything to, to undermine them. Like 11 of the 12 apostles who got sent out, who heard those words eventually, uh, all of them but one died a martyr's death for their faith. And yet they knew the significance. They knew that eternity was at stake. They knew that the cause was greater than their life. They knew how important it was, the purpose that they had, because God wants all people to be saved. God wanted you to be saved and me to be saved and all to be saved. And, and those that don't know and some who don't go right now need you and me to go to remind them and to share with them, which the apostles knew. Peter and John had been arrested for performing a miracle, for preaching the gospel. And they said, when told to be quiet, we can't help but speaking about what we've seen and heard. Can I encourage you? Can I just put on your heart, if you are looking for something of significance, if you are looking for a cause, as great as the earthly ones that you have and the significance in all of them that are important, like let Jesus and God's goal for your soul maybe be reset today and consider this reality. We need to go for that person that you filled in the blank. And because we know, we can't help but go. I love the people in my life and in the circle of people that I know too much to not go. Thanks be to God, someone went and told someone in my family at some time down the line so that they pass it on to me. Like there's that person in your life and you know. Like you know that story. 
the story of, of God's love for you and for me. You know what it means for you and for me that this is not the end of our story. Like, take it very seriously. When you go home to heaven, you can't take anything of this life with you, most people will say, but you can take one thing. Not your possessions. Not all your accomplishments. But you can take them. Like, I want them to go. And I'm not the one who can turn their hearts. God alone can do that. But God's called me to take action and go. And we can't help but go, just like the disciples. And I just want that to be inspiration to you. I, I don't want that to be guilt. So if you're leaving here feeling guilty like you don't, I, I pray that you go knowing that you are forgiven if you haven't, uh, if you aren't. But maybe to reset the, the purpose and goal that God has for your soul to to carry out that purpose. It is significant. It is a cause that is eternal, not just a cause here on earth. And maybe just maybe to help you see maybe one of three areas that you might consider as a part of your reset in the action step. Three things that are a part of, uh, of this purpose, a part of going. Uh, so here's some reset action steps. Maybe one of them appeals to you. Maybe one is just the area you're going to focus on to set differently, to have a fresh start with, to, to get back to where it needs to be. And the first one is this. Action step number one, consider this, invest. Like if you want an example and a model of someone who invested, uh, Jesus modeled going and investing. Like Luke chapter 1 tells us of the tax collectors and sinners who were gathering around to hear Jesus. Like Jesus went, Jesus invested in people who were messed up, people who were broken. He didn't just hang out with the churches. He didn't just hang out with the good people. He just didn't only spend time with the disciples uh, on top of a mountain and prayed. No, no, he, he, his life got messy. His ministry was with the broken. People didn't like it. Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. I know there are people in your life who that might be. And I'm telling you, we're going to talk about life groups opening today later. Like, it's great to do life with your church friends. It's great to hang out in Christian circles. Like, those are the people who can speak into your life, who can bless your life. Like, those are good things. I'm not telling you to, to do this at the expense of them, but I'm telling you not to eliminate investing in others who don't know or go just to do that. So maybe it means you have to invite that neighbor who's on the other side of the fence behind you over for a drink when you're sitting on your porch some night this summer, even though you normally wouldn't hang with them. Like maybe instead of when you drive into your garage and all you want to do is go inside and shut it right away, but you see all the other moms across the road with their kids outside talking, instead of going in and shutting the door, get out and go across and say hi. Like when that person at work, who you know is going to, Take up time because they have that thing going on and you want nothing to do with it. Your, your schedule is full. Instead, you invest in them and, and give them an ear to listen for just three or four minutes because they're in need of being loved. Like, invest, invest, invest. Jesus invested, invest. Like, all of us can do that. I haven't even asked you to open your mouth yet and talk about Jesus. Like, going involves investing like Jesus did. And as you invest... There will be times and opportunities when you can do action step number two, invite. Like Philip did. He went to his brother when he came into contact with Jesus. Nathaniel, we found him. Nathaniel, he's here. Nathaniel, his name is Jesus of Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? Nazareth, Nathaniel asked. Come and see. An invite. 
You know what Philip didn't do? Debate. I know sometimes we want to debate. I know some of you know your Christian truths, like backwards and forwards, and you are really good with them. But sometimes debating gets us nowhere. But inviting opens doors. Like invite them when the opportunity is right to maybe come to starting point and you'll go with them. Invite them to church at an opportunity where they get to be introduced to Jesus. Uh, invite, invite, invite. They might not accept the first invitation. Don't give up. Like invest and invite. Invest and invite. Like that is going 101. You can do this. And again, I still haven't told you that you have to talk anything about Jesus. You just have to invite them. And I know a lot of you have. Like I can look around this room and I see people who have simply said to people, hey, you should check out my church. You might like it. Like Philip did. And as you do all those things, you might get an opportunity to take the action step of, of doing number three, go and tell, tell. You don't have to explain all the truths of scripture. You don't have to recite to them the Ten Commandments. You don't have to unpack all the ins and outs of justification, sanctification, anything and everything. Like I know some of you are scared to death of that, but here's what none of you are scared to death of that you know and appreciate, that you can't help but speak of, your Jesus, my Jesus, your personal Savior. Like the difference he's made in your life. Like I'm not ashamed to be able to tell people that like there's a Savior who I know that I'm so thankful for who's forgiven me for all my horrible mistakes. I'm thankful for that Savior who my wife knows so that when I mess up, she also offers and gives me forgiveness. Like, how is it possible that a marriage can stick together? How is it possible that, a, that you can face death and, and smile and be okay? How is it possible that, that you can handle that grief or deal with that circumstance? Jesus, my Jesus. Like, if you tell them about Jesus in that way, in that shape and fashion, you might get a chance to invite them. And Pastor Michael and the rest of our pastors and all of us will answer the tough questions. Or we'll help you get the answers to the tough questions. I don't know what area you need to consider a reset in, but, but maybe a fresh start, a new year, to set the, the right direction begins with investing. Might allow for inviting. And when the door opens, like Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Don't hide it under a lid, but... Let your light shine that people may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. The light of the world that Jesus is calls you and me light for the world. I don't know about you, but that's a purpose of the utmost significance. May God bless us as we do that. Because here's what I know, that God's goal for our soul and our purpose is a cause of significance for the souls of, of all people who God wants to be saved. So I don't know who it is that you know that doesn't know or go. But I'll pray for you. Pray for me as we invest, invite, and tell. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you for accomplishing your purpose. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for opening our hearts to know these truths. And we know that, that you will inspire us just like you did the early Christian church to be filled with faith and not afraid. So Lord, help us go. Help us invest, give us courage to invite, and let you do the work on people's hearts uh, through that powerful word that hopefully we get to share in the process.